Online pornography has been around since pretty much the advent of the internet. The statistics say that most people listening to this right now will have either accidentally or intentionally come across pornography. One such website that has dominated headlines in the past year is OnlyFans, which allows users to sell photos of themselves to people who pay a subscriber fee. Some say the website is great, while others question its ethics. The question we tackle this week is, what are the long-term repercussions of pornography creation and use? Welcome to Signs of the Times Radio. Welcome back to another week of Signs Radio. My name is Daniel Kuberek, and joining me today is one of our authors. Her name is Caitlin Yankiewicz. Caitlin, how are you going? I'm good, thank you. Now, Caitlin, our audience has heard from you before. We've had one of your articles in the magazine, but that was already like quite a while ago. It's about two years ago. Yeah, exactly. So I think we need to make a bit of effort to re-familiarize <laughs> our audience with you. And I'm sure you have new things to add since last time they heard of you. So what's sort of the situation right now? Are you working, studying? Or whereabouts? Do you live in Sydney or whereabouts are you? Well, I'm a fourth year at Avondale College. I will be graduating this year and I'm studying teaching. And I did live in Sydney, but now we're living up in Morissette Park, so near Avondale. And yeah, wow. but before that, we were living in America. We moved from America two years ago. And how, how long were you living in America for? We were there for 11 years. Yes, that's quite a long time. But you were born in Australia, right? Uh, I was born in America, but then we moved back to Australia, and then we moved to Fiji, and then we moved back to America. So, so in other words, your passport is well stamped. Yes, very well stamped. <laughs> well, Caitlin, like we just mentioned, we got you to write an article for us two years ago, and it's been a bit mm-hmm. remiss of me to not ask you to write again, but we, we got around to asking you to write about it. A pretty serious topic uh, this time around. Mm -hmm. It's one I know that you're quite passionate about. Before I go into it, because a lot of people seem to say, what is OnlyFans? Like some of my friends don't even know what it still is, even though it ends up on the news quite often. I'll just share a bit about my story about how I came across OnlyFans. So pretty much, I think it was like a year or two ago, one of my mates from uni, who's a guy by the way, started promoting on his Instagram stories that he has an OnlyFans account. Now, like, this is a a pretty cool guy. We used to hang out at uni. So, naturally, I just jump on to see what OnlyFans is like. What is he actually promoting? And what it takes you to is a website where it says that you can get exclusive content from this person, but you have to subscribe to them. You have to be like a member of their, I guess, community. You have to pay a certain fee per month, I think. And then you get the content from them. But the content, that's the question. You don't actually know what it is. It's just like everything on the website is kind of like blurred out and just tells you that you have to pay. So I kind of like left the website and was like, all right, well, I don't know what that's about. He's like selling something. I don't know what. And then more recently, OnlyFans has come into the headlines as being a website where amateur pornography is sold. So people go on OnlyFans. They start uploading photos videos that are explicit and people jump on to their page and they pay that monthly fee and receive that content exclusively so it's not a public a place where things are published publicly you have to pay to get the content now the most interesting thing about it is that 
when you look at the situation, you'd say that OnlyFans is an amateur pornography website, which it's actually not because when it was founded in 2016, essentially what it started out as is a website where a person can put up content and their whoever they their fans are then you know pays the subscription fee and gets that content whether it be i don't know music videos or you know stuff that like you just want to give like purely to your fans but that's locked behind this paywall of a membership but as naturally with with anything where it's not restricted which only fans isn't there is no restriction on 18 plus content it's absolutely blown up in the amateur pornography space. Is that the same information you've come across about OnlyFans? Yeah, pretty much. I actually hadn't heard of it until you asked me to write this article. And then afterwards, I found out that I actually know people who have done OnlyFans, who have had OnlyFans accounts. So it is definitely a thing. I just, it's not something I'd ever encountered. That's crazy. Yeah, I think after that experience with my mate, it started really picking up a bit of a stream because obviously, you know, as a journalist, I trawl through news websites and there are some stories that get picked up pretty often about how this and this person who was previously in a public role has now started an OnlyFans account yeah. and they're raking in like hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. That's kind of the reputation that it has. That it's just, wow, you can make so much money on this. Yeah. It's like a make money quick scheme. Like, mm-hmm. And I understand that like that's that's not exactly a new sort of thing. You know, pornography is, you know, sex sells. So, pornography has always been a, a big business as far as money goes. Mm-hmm. But I think what what's different this time around is that OnlyFans is so accessible. It means pretty much anyone who can pick up a phone can start an OnlyFans account and essentially start making the yeah. big bucks. And that's where the appeal comes in for young people our age who might see some value in that. But... Which is why we want to sort of discuss that issue because while that may seem like, oh, great, well, you know, it empowers people to do that stuff by themselves instead of going through any official means or something like that, there's a whole lot of issues with OnlyFans. So, can you just tell me what your general impression was of OnlyFans as you started researching the topic? Right. So, I've always felt really strongly about pornography in general, just because I've grown up in a household where biblical values of sexuality have been really emphasized and just saving sex to be sacred. That's something that I've grown up with. And so my parents warned me about pornography early on. I encountered it when I was six for the first time. And thankfully my parents were around and I told them about it and they told me what it was. It was that in the form of like an ad or a pop-up or something? It was a pop-up. I was looking for ballet slippers and other ballet related things and yeah I was I was looking up I was six and I got a pop-up on some website and I closed it immediately but it really scared me freaked me out I had no idea what I was looking at so yeah that was yeah parents you need to you need to be onto this what what can what are your kids doing online because it it's so easy to come across even with really innocent things and yeah so this is something that I've cared about for a reasonably long time but it became more important to me after I dated a guy who had an issue with pornography and I actually saw some of the real life consequences of that but yeah no researching OnlyFans it seems like the way that it's promoted it, it's glamorous it's sexy it's get rich quick oh you don't even have to do anything real you just have to 
do stuff in front of a camera. You're safe. You're in your own bedroom. Yeah, and you can get rich quickly. You can afford a house at like 22, all this stuff. And yeah, it just, it doesn't have a bad reputation. It's just, yeah, it's a make money quick in a really easy, sexy, fun, flirty way. Yeah, and it's really interesting because you actually discuss in your article about the link with the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah. Now, as we know, a lot of people lost their jobs during COVID-19, right? And then Mm -hmm. also a lot of people who, you know, whether or not they have a job, were stuck at home because of, yeah. of lockdowns and stuff. So, internet traffic was going up. Netflix was mm-hmm. in higher demand than ever before. And as a result, OnlyFans also surged. Is that something mm-hmm. you've noticed as well? Yes, that's that's what I came across in my research. So, obviously, when we were all stuck at home, we were all online a lot more. But uh, something that was interesting is that the pandemic disproportionately hit women and industries that were female dominated okay and so as a result a lot of women lost jobs and yeah we live in a world where sex or in particular the exploitation of women sells and i'm not saying that's the only thing that sells but it's probably the most common thing that sells so when women lost their jobs it became the only source of income for them was an only fans account and hey if it pays the bills and it's seemingly safe why not yeah it's really interesting you say that, Caitlin, because as part of the research or before we, we got you to write this article, I did a, a poll on Reddit about OnlyFans just to see how people on the internet felt about it. Mm-hmm. I asked Reddit, I said, OnlyFans, a quick, fast and legitimate way to make money or an exploitative platform that degrades your human body. What do you think? And I want to read you a, a few of the responses because I want you to respond to some of them. Yeah, okay. Okay, so this one guy wrote, It's a legit way to make money. The person with OnlyFans decides what they'll post and it's up to them to see how far they'll go. Another person wrote, let me put it this way. There's millions of free porn videos. Why would I ever want to pay for it? Another person wrote, they said, people want to see naked women. Women are willing to get naked. I don't see anything wrong with that. Another person wrote, people are starving in America, getting kicked out on the streets. I'm not looking to judge how desperate people get by, which again is interesting tying back to yeah. you know, the conversation about yeah, the pandemic and stuff. And then another person wrote, seems legit to me. People have wants the others can provide. I don't think it's necessarily degrading. So particularly on this forum, when I, when I polled Reddit, it seemed that a lot of people felt that OnlyFans is a symbiotic thing. Yeah. Like there are two parties that yeah. essentially benefit. There's one party that's willing to sell themselves essentially on the platform and the other side that's paying for it and both sides are happy. Is there anything wrong with that sort of idea? I think the problem with that model is that sexuality sells to begin with. Mm. Sex was meant to be something special. I think that people don't realise how much they are selling themselves short when they're selling themselves. Mm -hmm. I think people don't realize the effects that watching and creating porn can have later on in life. And one of the issues with OnlyFans is that, no, it's not simply one person controls content and everyone else buys it because in order to keep a following, often the content creators, it's predominantly women, 
have to keep upping the ante on what they do in order to keep followers. So, I've read some articles where women have said that they were asked to do increasingly disturbing things that they just weren't comfortable doing, but in order to maintain the income, they felt the need to do that. Mm. I think it's it's interesting what you're saying because it seems like we are very influenced by the expectations of others. So, what you're, what you're saying is absolutely right. It's probably the same dilemma that an Instagram influencer would come across, yeah. particularly one that's selling clothing, you got to keep growing your account. And to do that, you have to keep taking more and more clothes off. But if you take off some clothes and you take off the same amount of clothes next time. And after a while, it gets boring for the audience. They get used yeah. to it. They get desensitized. So, the person then has to up the ante, like you said. Yeah. I think that the main problem with OnlyFans is not OnlyFans as a platform, but just the issue of pornography itself. Like mm. OnlyFans is just a very convenient way to create amateur pornography and access it. And yes, maybe it's a little better for the women involved, but at the same time, it still has the same issues as porn. Mm. And the interesting thing you mentioned, like how it might be safer, because I think the world's largest pornography website is is called Pornhub. Yeah. And last year they came under massive fire for the fact that there's a whole bunch of exploitative yep, videos being hosted on there. Yeah. So there's this one story I found from a New York Times article where this lady writes, Pornhub became my trafficker. So, she yeah. essentially was forced to be in porn videos since mm-hmm. she was nine. And wow. then, even though, you know, she came out of that situation, she says this, which is really interesting. I'm still getting sold even though I'm five years out of that life. I may never yeah. be able to get away from this. I may be 40 with eight kids and people are still masturbating to my photos. Yeah. That's, That's an- tragic. That is so tragic. It's an, it's an issue, isn't it? Because... On the internet, things don't don't go away, do they? No, they don't. One of the biggest issues with porn is how it portrays both men and women, but specifically women. And watching porn creates this... The words unrealistic expectation are overused to the point where they're no longer effective. But one of my favorite authors, Andy Stanley, puts it in a very succinct way. He says, guys, when you're watching porn, you're in school, you're learning that one body is not enough and that a real body is not enough and that your wife's body is not enough. Mm. And it creates this picture of women liking violence and women liking things being forced on them. And it really, it turns women into resources for sexual commodity it turns women into a resource where guys can put in kindness or whatever and get sex back. Mm. It's not teaching people to see women as human beings. It's teaching people to see women as a resource. And I think that's just really sad. Well, wow, I never thought about it that way. That it, Yeah, it's sort of subconsciously training people into becoming manipulators. Manipulators who yeah. see other people as... A means to an end. Yeah. Now, it's interesting that you mentioned that 
this is a, a particular issue amongst men, which it's not exclusive to men. Because, it is not exclusive to men. But it seems to be a problem that's more tied with men. Now, from what you've personally experienced, what, what can sort of explain why men are so addicted to this thing? Look, I am a female, so I cannot say with 100% certainty what goes on in a guy's mind. But from the conversations I've had with guys, I know that guys tend to be a lot more captivated by visual stimulus as opposed to girls. Uh So seeing something for guys is a lot more powerful than for girls. So I think that's where it starts. And it takes what in real life is the impetus to get guys going out talking to a girl that they think is cute and getting her number. It takes that impulse and I guess purifies it, like distills it down to a point where it becomes a drug. And that's just all you get, just the the physical part of a relationship without anything else. And I think that that's, it's hard for guys because they do have that initial drive and that's how God created them. And it's not a bad thing, but it's just isolating that one aspect of a relationship and cutting out everything else there's a lot of issues for guys then as well there isn't there because it's not just about an addiction that you spend a lot of time on and it that's pretty much the only issue there's a lot of neural problems and stuff yeah to give an example there's this one bodybuilder i follow on instagram now he he uploads some pretty outrageous stuff sometimes some of it's pretty crazy but I look on his Instagram stories for for deep amusement, but he actually posted a fully random thread, which was so real and true, where he talks about how pornography is turning men that are growing up into a generation of simps. Now, simp is a sort of a derogatory term for a male who essentially doesn't have the guts to sort of approach a woman or anything like that. Hmm which I, I thought was really interesting. And he, so he went on this tangent about how he's going to go try go porn free for like three months or whatever. And he was sharing his journey along the way, which was so interesting coming from him. But do you think that is true? Are men these days being trained to think that, oh, I can either muster up the courage and go approach that girl and talk to her, or I can just get the quick fix at home. Is that something that is a challenge, do you think? I definitely think that is a challenge, especially from the conversations I've had with some of the guys that I know. Yeah, so it is It is hard for a guy to approach a girl because it takes. It really does take guts, and I, I admire guys for that. And I do think that it is more difficult to ask a girl out if you can just satisfy your needs on your own. But more than that, at least in my experience, I think the bigger problem is... The assumption that once you have a girlfriend, you don't need to do anything except be sexual in order to keep <laughs> that girlfriend. Mm. At least that's that's been my experience. That's what I've kind of experienced as one of the effects of porn. Because porn shows women in a very one-dimensional way that women are complicated, but they're not. Like, girls need emotional connection Mm. girls need emotional connection often before they can connect physically and so girls girls often have a lot of emotions and having a really strong relationship takes a lot more than just physical attraction and i think that 
something that porn teaches guys is that oh as long as you satisfy her in this that and the other way you'll be fine you don't need to do anything else mm. just so we look at the the other side of the coin too given that you have you know girlfriends out there as well mm-hmm. have you noticed any adverse effects or do you know of any situations where girls who have an addiction to pornography have also faced adverse effects are they similar or are they are they different so I don't know that many girls who have a porn addiction. The few that I know, several of them, I had no idea. I would never have guessed it because they are the kindest, sweetest people that I know. But I don't know what they are like in a relationship because they are my girlfriends. And so I don't get to see that side of them. So I don't actually know how it affects relationships from the female side. I know that it is hard though. Like I had a friend who said she was dating and she said that it was really hard for her boyfriend to know that she was watching porn. So it definitely goes both ways. But another friend that I had in high school, I I don't know exactly what she was engaging in, but I know that she was reading a lot of erotica. And I think that that's probably the bigger danger for girls. Because if, if you've got explicit content wrapped in a story, that's that's a powerful combination for girls. Uh-huh. And that's something I've stayed very far away from. But I do know a lot of girls who go for that. And my friend who was reading a lot of erotica, she ended up looking for a relationship and trying to find it through means of sexuality, being sexually available. So that's probably the biggest effect that I've seen. I think girls go out looking for guys and use their bodies to try and find that relationship that they're craving, but I don't think it works very well. So, it seems to me, Caitlin, that the things that a platform like OnlyFans and then the wider issue of pornography, what it communicates is two things. It communicates expectations. It creates expectations in the person's mind who's watching it. And just by the way, a person who is addicted to pornography is not necessarily a bad person. No, absolutely not. Look, the porn industry preys on kids. It really does. So many of my friends who are now in their early 20s have been addicted to pornography since they were 10 or 11. And that is tragic, but it is how it is. And the porn industry targets kids. And then they grow up with this, not knowing how to handle it, not knowing what to do. In many cases, not feeling comfortable talking to their parents about it. And they get to their early 20s just completely broken people and i they're not bad people Mm. they're just victims of a really really messed up system yeah and the other thing that pornography communicates is that we're not good enough um it communicates that to to women who have partners who are addicted to it because they feel cruddy about themselves knowing that their boyfriend is looking at girls who he may find more desirable than her on the internet. Yeah, so that problem is twofold. Number one, it ends up with a girl comparing herself saying, well, why don't I look like that? I wish I looked like that. He'd be more attracted to me if I looked like that. But the second thing is often just a feeling of why am I not enough? Why Mm. can I not be enough for the person that I love? Why does he have to go outside our relationship for sexual gratification? Yeah. And that's a really, really painful place to be in. 
Exactly, a hundred percent. The other thing it also communicates is to guys that that guys have to be yeah perform a certain way. Yeah, it communicates that guys have to be like super macho, very again unrealistic body standards, and it just it leads to a lot of insecurity on the guy's part as well. It's because they they don't look like that, and I think that often leads guys to being less confident with going out and meeting girls and yeah i've seen that effect as well it's definitely real yeah 100 percent. and empathizing with with all the guys out there who who may be listening to this as well both genders struggle with how they see their bodies and i know this is a, a sort of a topic that's usually seemingly more attributed to females that females are more insecure about their bodies but i would argue that men are just as insecure about their bodies. It's just I would agree with that. It's just a more a difficult topic to talk about, I guess, because I don't know, there's expectations for men to to sort of suck it up. You should be confident. And a lot of guys I know struggle with that. Yeah. Exploring this issue, I mean, we could we could talk about so many more things that are linked to it. But I, I want to talk to you about the problem of sort of casualizing our bodies and selling ourselves short in order for that to be a problem there sort of has to be a a baseline now a lot of christians believe in a baseline that's why a lot of christians tend to be against pornography even though there are a lot of christians that struggle with it a lot of christians so what sort of suggests that the body was meant for more than this that we were meant for more than this so the biblical model of relationships is a really beautiful one a lot of People looking at Christians like, oh, they're so restrained, they have to follow all these rules. But honestly, I think the rules are there for our own protection. The biblical model is such that one man and one woman give themselves wholly and completely to each other, having never given each themselves to anyone else. And it's just the deepest expression of intimacy that there is. And God created that, and it's good, but it's meant to be... A permanent thing uh-huh. and if you've ever used super glue you know that if you stick two things together with super glue and try to separate them the two things usually break mm. because well it ends up really messy because that wasn't supposed to come apart and so I think that when when people casualize sex it just it's breaking over and over and over. It's breaking that bond. It's breaking the stickiness of sex to the point where it stops meaning as much. Mm. It stops being so powerful. And it, there's actually science to back that up, that the more sexual partners you have, the less the hormones that are involved with sex are active because your brain's actually protecting itself from the hurt that you've taught that comes after having sex with somebody because you end up breaking up. Mm. So, I think that the Bible's model is honestly the one that treats sex with the respect that it deserves because it is such an intimate thing. Like, I have never had sex. I am in a relationship, but we have not gone there just because that is something that I really care about. I want to save that for marriage. But I did have a relationship two years ago that pushed the line Mm-hmm. And it left me really broken. The guy that I was dating had a porn addiction 
And going in, I was like, you know what? He's a good guy. I'll give him a shot. We'll see how it goes. And he'll work on himself and get it sorted as we go. But what ended up happening is I felt like it didn't matter that it was me. We were together for only two months, but in that time we rushed through to my actually my limit of where I was willing to go physically and a little bit beyond. And I was just, the whole time I was thinking, he doesn't care about who I am. He doesn't care about my thoughts. He doesn't care about my emotions. He doesn't care about what makes me me. I feel interchangeable. I feel like I'm just a girl-shaped thing. And honestly, anyone would do. And he pushed me and I've grown up with the whole, if guys tell you that they want to have sex with you because they love you, just tell them, well, if you really love me, you'd wait, etc., etc. And so I was prepared for overt pushing like that. What I wasn't prepared for was the constant doing things that I wasn't comfortable with and stopping as soon as I said, can you please stop? But coming back to it and doing it again over and over and constantly bringing things up like, oh, you totally don't have to do this if you don't want to, but I really want to do this and just continuously bringing it up until I just would give in because I was sick of being nagged about it. And so I wasn't prepared for that kind of pushing. But When there's feelings involved, it's difficult to say no, hey. Yeah, it is difficult to say no because especially if, if the other person wants to do something, then in your head you go, well, if they're okay with it, then why am I not okay with it? And so you kind of reason with yourself. But just the effects of that. In the end, we ended up breaking up because he cheated on me with a webcam girl. And he was super apologetic afterwards. But I just felt that just completely crushed me. Like, I've been giving in to this stuff that I'd rather not do, honestly. And it's still not enough. And I just felt like it just, it really... It separated my body and my mind. It pried my body away from my mind and it deemed my mind to be absolutely irrelevant. And I think that's what porn does. It teaches people to see other people as things to be used. And again, like resources where they can get sexual gratification from. And it doesn't matter who they are as long as they're willing to put out for you. Yeah, wow. Thank you for sharing that, Caitlin. That must have been... A difficult experience. It was the months after our breakup, I was actually really, I really struggled with being a girl, being a woman. I hated my body. I hated the way that guys saw me when they looked at me. Every time I saw my shadow and my silhouette, I was just, I would break down crying because I didn't want to be looked at like that. Mm. I didn't want to be seen as an object like that. It was, it was really scary, and I ended up going to counselling for that. But, yeah. It seems like there is definitely a need for more accountability in this day and age, especially amongst men, as this does yeah. seem to be our issue more so than for females. Do you Look, think that that would be yes, a good Yes, but still, there's a, high, there's a very high number of girls. It's, it's on the rise, so it's definitely not a male issue. I think it's something like... 40 or 60% of women and 90% of men. So it's definitely higher for men, but it's definitely a problem for girls as well. But again, it seems to be like it comes back to that thing we talked about earlier about the false expectations. Like our culture has unfortunately become one where we feel pressure to be doing this sort of stuff. Like it's for guys, it's sort of seen as the rite of passage 
to becoming yeah. a man sort of thing early on yeah. as far as casual sex and that stuff goes. And again, it's the problem with that exact comment is that it's not about your partner at all. It's about No, it's not. It's about the act. It's about, it's about conquest. It's about succeeding at something. <laughs> yeah. Now that sounds very like, you know, American college kind of frat guy kind of thing. It's actually not. It's like a thing that like I don't know, we it's subconscious messages that we we are receiving. And the same goes for women. Women are receiving this subconscious message that do this thing and you are a woman as well. Like this is when you reach womanhood as well. So Yeah. I don't know if it's so much about womanhood, but it's about being considered good enough. Like I know in high school, I went to a Christian school, so sex wasn't as overtly talked about and this was in America as well. But I know like if you had a boyfriend, it's like, okay, yes, you are pretty enough. You are good enough. You're smart enough. You're pretty enough. You're popular enough. It was definitely a status symbol to have a boyfriend in high school. And so the girls who don't, the girls who didn't get attention from guys, it's like, why am I not enough? And so it's definitely part of that, but it's, it's not so much about reaching womanhood, but it's about, it's about being enough. And honestly, that's, that's such a big thing for girls. We just, we just, we want to be enough. We want to know that we're enough for somebody. And porn completely destroys that because there's no way you can be enough. Like a real person is not going to look like that. So if that's what you're comparing to, you're never going to measure up. Mm. Are you concerned, Caitlin, about the direction the world is headed with this issue? I am. I really, really am. So many, so many of my peers right now are in the midst of a porn addiction. It is so sad. And this was not the I generation. This is not the generation of kids who grew up with smartphones from the age of 10. So now that schools are using more technology, now that kids are getting cell phones, smartphones a lot earlier... I think it's just going to get worse. And I think it's just our responsibility as a church to talk about this stuff because sexuality is taboo. A lot of parents struggle to talk about sexuality with their kids. But if kids don't get answers at school or at home, they're going to go to the internet. And that's not where you want to get your information about sex from. And I think that the more technology is integrated into our everyday lives, the worse it's going to get. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, for both of us, as we're sort of, becoming the adults, the next generation where, you know, a lot of my friends are now starting to raise families. Yeah. I guess having grown up in the age of the internet, it becomes our responsibility to talk about this and own this yeah. as an issue rather than yeah. avoiding it. I think when it comes to sexuality, parents assume, oh, school will take care of it. And school, they cover the bare minimum, but they leave a lot of the emotional side of sexuality to parents and somewhere in between that disconnect kids slip through the cracks and yeah this is year six year six kids are getting hooked on pornography and then 10 12 years later it's just such a huge part of who they are because when when kids start using pornography before puberty their brain is wired in such a way during puberty that it just becomes so entwined with their understanding of sexuality. It's just a much, much harder addiction to break than if it's encountered later in teen years. Now, Caitlin, there's no doubt a lot of people who are listening to this who have either struggled with this issue or are potentially still struggling with this issue. We know the sort of the, the perfect example that the Bible gives about what a relationship should be and what you know what the human body was meant to be ideally 
and the way it was before, you know, Christians believe that sin entered the world. You know, Adam and Eve in Genesis, if anyone wants to have a read from our listeners, it describes them as walking around naked. Now, the moment they felt shame was after the apple was eaten and they disobeyed God and sin entered the world. And then that's the point when they felt shame and had to cover up with fig leaves and stuff. That's the sort of the, the baseline. As human beings, our, our bodies were, the body was created to be a, a perfect thing, but it has distorted over the time because of issues like this one. Now, for someone who, who's listening, who is struggling with pornography, probably knows that it's not the most helpful thing in the world, or maybe they realize that it's downright destructive what are some resources that they could go to practically, whether or not it be in the Bible or whether it be resources online or online communities of, of men that you've maybe heard of? Where can they go, someone who's just thinking about the next time they'll jump onto a certain website? So the Adventist Church does have a resource to support people who are struggling with a porn addiction. It's called Gateway to Wholeness. It's an online series of eight videos it's designed to help you with the process of addiction and the problems that result from porn use, but also there's a, the Conqueror series program, which involves small groups working together to support each other. But in the absence of the ability to access those resources, the first thing to do is reach out to a friend and tell them about what you're struggling with. I know guys who have overcome porn addictions simply just because their friends have helped them stay accountable. And that's not always the story. It's not always that easy. But if you're struggling with a porn addiction, you are definitely not alone. And you are not a bad person. And it is not too late. Yeah. So I think you just need to start by reaching out to somebody, just getting up the courage and sharing with somebody where you're at. And once you share that, a lot of the secrecy surrounding porn is gone and that makes it less addictive. So that's a really good place to start. But the next step from that would probably be to find a Christian counsellor. And I say Christian because I have had friends who have gone to counsellors who are not Christians and say, why is that a problem? You don't, you don't need any help. Porn's absolutely normal. So find a Christian counsellor who can help you with this because it is an addiction and it is really hard to break that just like an addiction to drugs but just like with all addictions the first step is admitting that you have a problem and realizing that you can't overcome it by yourself but yeah gateway to wholeness is a free resource a set of videos that can definitely be at least a really really good start mm. and yeah just reach out share with people who care about you who can hold you accountable who can help you and if you don't think that it's a problem, I would encourage you to do some research and realize how destructive it really is. Because I know a lot of people who go, oh, it's not a problem. It's not really a big deal. It's just our oh, Christians and their stuffy rules. That's it's, it's really not a problem. But it has some very, very real consequences. Like for me, I really, really struggled just to be around guys in general after that. I have... I'm definitely not alone. I've had other friends who have been through similar experiences to me with other guys who have the same situation. And they also, they feel alienated from their womanhood, afraid to be around guys. It's just, it's really hard. And it makes, makes you afraid mm. to be in the world. It made me afraid to be in the world, knowing that guys were looking at that 
I was terrified of how guys were looking at me, what they were thinking about in their heads doing with me. And that was probably unrealistic, but it was still, that was a consequence of that. I just, my sexuality became so fractured. I didn't want to have anything to do with it. And that's just, I know that what happened to me was not nearly as bad as what happens to some others. So there are girls who are being strangled to death by their boyfriends in the name of rough sex. And that's not normal. Like no matter what consent was given, nobody consents to being killed. So yeah, I think that if you don't think that porn is a problem, you really, I would encourage you to do some thinking and think about how it affects other people. The other issue with porn that wasn't brought up earlier is that it, it detracts from real life sex. I know that the number of, young guys who are struggling with erectile dysfunction disorder is on the rise. And so making real life sex work doesn't making real life sex work is getting harder because porn is creating those unrealistic expectations. And it's just, it makes it a lot more difficult for sex to happen in a meaningful way. Yeah. Caitlin, you you mentioned some of those resources online about, for people who this might be the first time they're hearing about this being an issue, maybe they, they haven't heard about something like this before or the, the potential negative effects on both men, the women, behavior, the mind, the physical body. There's another website called Fight the New Drug, which is like... Yes, Fight the New Drug is excellent. It has a lot of really good resources. I went to Fight the New Drug after my experience just because I needed to know that I wasn't alone. So on Fight the New Drug, I found a lot of stories like mine of girls talking about their experiences with guys who had been in porn, girls who were talking about how they got into porn themselves and felt like they were really alone because they were the un- they thought they were the only girls who did it girls who were in porn and talking about their experiences and also a lot of stories from guys who say i quit porn and my love life is so much better for it mm. and testimonies and resources and yes there is a lot at fight the new drug and there's a few more resources out there like, i mean i think there's groups on facebook where like accountability groups because you mentioned that it's good to have the accountability partners people to talk to some people that might be a huge step because it's essentially talking about a subject which for many people might be extremely shameful or difficult to yeah. talk about because it's so yeah. tricky. Absolutely. I think that's one of our biggest problems when we're fighting this particular, <laughs> fighting this drug. It's the silence around it, the taboo, the fact that nobody wants to talk about it because it's a tricky subject. And so that's one, one of the things I'm passionate about is breaking that silence and making it acceptable to talk about because the only way to solve it, the only way to move forward is to talk about it. Yeah. So and I think sharing your just, experiences is, is a big part of that, isn't it? Because it's yeah. people feel comfortable when they know that you've been through something as well instead of feeling judged. Yeah. One of those ones that I found in my trawlings across Reddit, there's a group on there as well, which I, I won't mention the name because it kind of goes off of a bit of a derogatory term. But it's, I think I know the one. Yeah, I, think I know the one you're yeah, referring to. I, I don't want to mention it, but it's not too hard to find it if that's a resource you want to use because it's essentially a whole bunch of people who share their stories on there and keep each other accountable, encourage each other. That's what's sort of needed. So, when you see someone struggling with an addiction like this, like just share your story with them, make them feel like they're not alone because it's not a person who is a bad person. It's a person who is struggling. Yeah. 
that is something that's very strongly emphasized on fight the new drug. It's very much focused on though you are not a bad person. You are somebody who is struggling with something. Yeah. If you do nothing about an addiction and continue knowledgeably buying into the exploitation of real human beings, that's not good. Yeah. Because that's what you have to remember. When you when you are watching porn, you don't actually know whether this was consensual because a lot of women say that they get onto the set, they had a certain expectation of what was going to happen and then their directors push them to keep going on set and they're on set so they feel pressured into doing things that they didn't originally agree to. So you really don't know how much of what you're seeing is consensual and you don't want to be watching rape. You really don't. Yeah. Well, but you have to remember that every single person who is in porn is a real person. They have a family. They have their own dreams. They have their own hopes. They are likely not in porn because they love it. Yeah. Most people who do porn do it as a last resort because they have no other option. Yeah. Caitlin, it, you've really brought perspective to this issue today. I mean, someone who may be listening for the first time may have learned something new. I know I learned a lot of new things from you and the work you've been doing in this area. I really want to thank you for being so honest and vulnerable with us today. I mean, it, that takes a lot and it's inspiring because it, it encourages more, more people to do the same. And hopefully by doing this, we can create a culture where pornography isn't a scary topic where everyone has their own secret about it, but sort of doesn't want to talk yeah. about it. Where That's the goal. The goal is to get to where we can talk about it because once we started talking about alcohol and drugs, usage went down. Education is the way to do this, but we can't get there without breaking the silence around this. And that's what I'm committed to doing. I'm committing to talk about that. I'm committed to sharing my own experience and why it's bad because a lot of parents tell their kids, oh, don't do porn, it's bad. But the kids don't understand why it's bad. And so they don't have that internal motivation yeah. to stay away from it themselves. It's about- because in this world, it's not a question of if your child is going to encounter porn, but when. Yeah. And as a parent, you really want to make sure that your kid is prepared to deal with it and they don't end up hiding it from you as a parent. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that, Caitlin. Again, we really appreciate the honesty and vulnerability you've shared with us today. And if there are any questions that are lingering still that are fleshed out more in the article, that article is up on our website at the moment, signsofthetimes.org.au. But if you'd like to be linked to those extra resources, then hit us up on our Facebook page, chuck us a message, and we can direct, in collaboration with Caitlin, we can direct you to some materials that you can access to help you. But yeah, thank you, Caitlin, for joining us today on Science Radio, despite yeah, no it worries. a tricky topic. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll have you on again at some point in the near future. Yeah, I would love that. Thank you for having me. Today's episode was based on an article appearing in this month's Signs of the Times magazine. A subscription is just $26 for 11 issues a year. To find out more, visit signsofthetimes.org.au in Australia or signsofthetimes.org.nz in New Zealand. This is an Adventist media podcast.